Welcome to the Bitcoin source today, the BTC couple. Can we start things off by introducing yourselves? Yeah, so uh, I'm Carla. I'm Walker. Those are our real names. Uh, and we run the crypto couple and the BTC couple, which there is a difference. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you for that introduction. So Carla and Walker, um, usually on this show, I ask people a couple questions in regarding to how they source their Bitcoin knowledge. And the first question I want to ask y'all is, you know, where did you source your knowledge from, whether it be books, courses, or even people in the ecosystem that kind of inspired you to be better Bitcoiners? Books. I think for, well, for me, at least it was uh, all across the board. I mean, uh, I think podcasts were a huge part of just like the kind of my initial journey because it's, it's easy to put on a podcast when you're doing something else and kind of get a slowly orange pilled that way. But I think it's a, uh, well, as Carla said, books are one of the best ways to like really be able to dive in and uh, and go a little bit deeper. And, you know, it's uh, more impactful than maybe just a, a couple of tweets that you read online. Going back a bit earlier, though, if we're going to talk about also people and, you know, people aren't necessarily just going to go pick up the Bitcoin standard because they're curious about Bitcoin. Um, there's a lot of context in history, in the history of the monetary system that also sort of primes you to be someone who wants to learn about Bitcoin. So um, I also had a lot of experience talking with my dad about the history of the Fed and a lot of tangential subjects, which I think help people get and are the original source before you start looking at Bitcoin books and Bitcoin podcasts. And books have always been my go-to for kind of gaining more insight. And I say that because there's a lot of noise in this industry and I think that when you read a book, it forces you to be by yourself and be an individual and kind of focusing and harping on what things about the protocol actually interest you and how you can make it better for the entire community. So I agree with that. Books have been instrumental in my orange pill journey as well. It's a shame that I think most people don't necessarily have the attention span to sit down and, and read a book or perhaps are too scared to be completely alone with themselves and their thoughts and the words on a page. But if you can take the time and force yourself to, for a lot of people, it probably comes down to force. It's it's the best way to learn, you know? hundred percent. And that kind of segues into my next question, which is what, you know, you do as a, as a couple, which is create content. And I think that that kind of ties into the intention span type of scenario where um, people tend to be more visual now. There's a book out there called Living in a Three Second World, and it talks about how distracted we are as a society. And I think that you know, content, YouTube videos, quick little inserts are things that people are really gravitating to, especially the younger generation. So my question to you is, um, what inspired you to create Bitcoin content? So largely what you just said, you know, even we find ourselves finding it difficult to just sit down and read a book because it's like, oh, Twitter just pinged or, you know, someone just sent me an email. And like, if this is hard for us, people who are very passionate and who actively try to do this, imagine how hard it is for the people who are already basically addicted to scrolling and swiping. And when we first started, we did start out on TikTok actually, because you know we were catering to TikTok attention spans, everything fast, quick. But what we've learned is even though it's maybe a hated on method, it is getting a lot of valuable information out there. You know, We've had comments on TikTok being like, oh, this is the first time I've learned anything about self-custody. Like, I'm gonna check this out. Yeah, I, I think that it's important for people who do have the attention spans uh, like, the three of us and many amazing Bitcoiners out there who we've been inspired by, who are 
able to sit down and try to take the time to digest things at a deep level and to read the books and to like dig into things really and go deep. Not everybody is going to do that. And, you know, maybe not everybody can do that. And so how do you reach those people who either don't want to, or maybe are somehow unable to go as deep as you are? And how do you then make that content that you've been able to digest? How do you regurgitate that in such a way that it's going to be more palatable to the average uh, person? Maybe average isn't even the right word, but just to the, well, maybe the average person is a very short attention span these days. And you got to find some way to at least get in there in their brain, at least make them think. And maybe that encourages them to then take that deeper dive themselves that they may not have otherwise done. Cause they say, okay, wait, maybe there's something to this. People are making these ridiculous, in our case, ridiculous videos about this, this topic. And okay, maybe there's something else here that I need to go a little bit deeper into. This sparked my curiosity. And I think something that happened, I don't know when it happened, but learning became framed as a chore, right? Like I remember even in high school, like I didn't love learning. Now as an adult, I'm like, oh my gosh, I wish I could do that all again because I love to learn, turns out. So that's why when people feel like they're being lectured or taught, that's where we decided let's do this with comedy because comedy is where people will keep watching because they want to hear the punchline. They want to see what happens next and educating through comedy. Well, you know, it seems silly, but these scripts are actually quite difficult to write because you're trying to balance, you know, information and humor. Uh, but we found that that's just sort of a Trojan horse way to be like, gotcha, you learned something. <laughs> I think that's actually, that's such a good point. It's like, it's such a shame that I don't know if it's the, you know, I think it's the system. The, yeah, the, just the Beats system the in curiosity general. Out of you. It, it does not encourage you to to want to learn. It encourages you to want to do the bare minimum to get the grade or to you know get your little check mark. Yep, you did this, but it's like, did you learn anything in the process? And trying to encourage people to you know that's why we always and not just us. Every Bitcoiner will tell you you know do your own research. Like try to you know instill upon people that desire to go out there and learn and. You can't just flip a switch, but hopefully it, it helps a little bit, at least with uh, with comedy, putting some sort of bug in their brain. And we do that very intentionally where we always have the takeaway message be do your own research because we're not here to tell people what to do with their money. So it's never going to be like, go out there and buy Bitcoin. Like, sure, we'll say like, stack sad, stay humble. But it's always do your own research because I think even people will be surprised that once they go in the tip of the iceberg, like then you fall down the rabbit hole and then people surprise themselves like, oh my God, I can't believe how much I'm reading about this, but I can't stop. You know, you as a couple, you kind of, you use the Satoshi ethos and you kind of intertwine pop culture. So for an example, um, what really made me gravitate to some of your videos was the Star Wars analogy, which I think has like some of the top views for, you know, the little skits that you do. And I just thought that that was just so freaking brilliant because I'm like a huge Star Wars buff. And just the way the costumes look, the makeup, the artwork, it was just perfect. And I was like, they need to make like a full length, like movie out of this, if, the, if possible. Like, I just thought it was incredible. So I co completely agree with that where, um, where we're going now in this Bitcoin ecosystem, especially now in the bear market, there's so much FUD. It's like, I think people want to have a laugh and people want to have things in the space where they can kind of enjoy being Bitcoiners because we're kind of getting some heat right now because of, you know, the FTX scandal and people not really being able to separate Bitcoin and crypto. So I think that uh, what you guys said there was definitely spot on and made perfect sense. It's a lot of fun too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bitcoin should be, it should be fun, right? Like, yeah, this is like, we're talking about really serious things at the end of the day, but it's so easy to get bogged down in that. And like, 
one of the reasons we started this in the first place, like a year and a half ago, about mm -hmm. like 2021 May, I think is when we made our first video is because we were sitting on the couch and had been lurking yeah. on Twitter. And this was like when things were starting to crash, you know, kind of in, in May, 2021. Just hilarious because compared to now. And now it's like, man, that was like a, a dip for ants compared to this now. But uh, people were just so angry and like attacking each other. And we were like, damn, there's a real void here. And it's like both being able to make fun of the current system, uh, make fun of the ridiculous way that many things work in the world today, but also laugh at ourselves as Bitcoiners and some of the, re you know, sometimes ridiculous and often very amusing things that we say with a straight face, but that to maybe the outside person sound completely absurd, just like the things that they may be saying sound completely absurd to us. So we got to laugh at ourselves before somebody else gets the chance. Most definitely. And what I love is like, you know, you being Bitcoiners, it kind of has opened up so many doors for y'all. And, you know, you recently visited El Salvador and I wanted to ask you, like, what was it like to actually visit a country that has Bitcoin as legal tender? I mean, El Salvador is absolutely a beautiful country, a fantastic country. The grassroots communities down there are absolutely incredible with what they're doing. Um, it's it's happening. That's what I like to tell people when they ask that question, right? It's not going to be overnight. Like, what? how could that even be possible? But it is happening. And like, honestly, we were there in July. And then again, now in, um, what was it? November. November. Yeah. And, you know, we saw progress even in those short months. Yeah, I think it's it's funny how, uh, especially, you know, Bitcoiners, we like to think of having a very low time preference. We don't expect the rest of the world to have such a low time preference. We know the mainstream media news cycle has like a shorter attention span than most five-year-olds. Um, but we as Bitcoiners should strive to really, you know, live that low time preference mentality. And it's very easy to go there. And, you know, we found ourselves doing this at times saying, you know, wow, okay, maybe not as many merchants as I thought were accepting it. Or some of the people that I talked to have, you know, negative uh, thoughts about Bitcoin, but you have to think about the framing of it. Again, as Carlos said, it's been just over a year now. So it's September 7th, mm -hmm. 2001 was the legal tender day. That's not very much time at all. That's a, that's a quarter of a halving cycle. I mean, that is a drop in the in the bucket of time. And you are seeing, like, and I think what's the most inspiring is, as Carl said, seeing these grassroots movements, seeing local Salvadorans who are going out into their communities and who are fundraising, who are educating, who are creating content, who are writing stories, who are telling their stories, people who are coming back to El Salvador after maybe a generation away because their family left because of all of the violence that was exported from the United States, seeing that change. And you, you can't be there without feeling the hope and the excitement that's in the air. Again, not everything is perfect. And how could you expect it to be? But adoption is happening. And, you know, I think it's going to be amazing to see what happens in the next couple of years, because again, they are just getting started and there are so many people working so hard down there and all over the world, you know, this El Salvador and their quote experiment as the media would like to call it, but their, their bold decision to adopt Bitcoin is inspiring people around the world in these other communities, Bitcoin jungle, uh, Bitcoin Akazi, all these incredible projects that are springing out of that inspiration that Bitcoin beach created. And something that I actually think I've never actually mentioned before, but I find very impressive is, okay, so not every merchant in El Zante even accepts Bitcoin, not all of them do. But the fact that the ones that do 
still do the ones from July to November, despite all the volatility and the price drop. And they're still accepting it. I'm like, okay, like you still have faith in this thing. Cause that was one of my biggest worries, right? Like we're going to El Salvador at this Bitcoin conference when Bitcoin's in what, 16? I was like, oh my gosh, is everyone going to be doom and gloom? And they, it wasn't, it wasn't. And that, that was really something. Yeah. And you see the, I mean, the technology improves too, in terms of, I'm not talking about Bitcoin base layer, but lightning and also those kind of like layer three applications, like the Ibex Mercados of the world that you're now seeing pop up in more and more places with these really nice, sleek POS terminals mm -hmm. that work exceptionally well. Um, and you see that start to sort of propagate out um, and just more people building, like as more people build, things get better. And, you know, El Salvador is really like they're testing live in production, yeah. right? Like, it's not like, uh, like, okay, Bitcoin's set, right? Bitcoin's good. We're fine with that. But the Lightning Network, there's a lot of work to be done. And there's a lot of work to be done in the application layer on top of that. And you see these changes happening really fast. But even just over the course of a few months, I mean, you do see improvements in this, which is really heartening to see. And another thing there, though, is also like you all, we have the education side, which is Bitcoin is not crypto, but we also have to do Bitcoin is not Chivo, right? Yeah. Like these third parties are not Bitcoin. Bitcoin's working fine, whatever issue. But, you know, it's like these are steps yeah. of an education. Yeah, it's just like it's kind of like you know, the little gatekeepers to Bitcoin, the Chivo wallet allows, you know, the populace to actually have access to Bitcoin. But, you know, as they become more knowledgeable and sovereign, they can find out that they can kind of circumvent that and go directly to the source, which is um, important. And I think that um, Salvadorians, you know, um, I think Max Kaiser just had an interview with Carl, um, Carlson Tucker, and he pretty much talked about um, the crime rate being dropped by 95% in the country, which was kind of a big thing that people were worried about um, hearing about the gangs and all the you know high crime rates. And I think that Bitcoin is kind of being championed for not only reducing crime, but just allowing that peer-to-peer -peer transaction to go on in a free market without you know corruption and third parties, centralized entities kind of taking a piece of the bit off. So it's just a beautiful thing to see. And I'm just grateful to see, you know, creatives such as yourselves going down there and being able to kind of, you know, live the dream of what a lot of Bitcoiners are trying to do. Yeah, it's it's amazing to see uh, just like folks like Max Kaiser or any of the, you know, uh, let's say, you know, big name Bitcoiners who are down there at adopting Bitcoin, like they really are such vocal spokespeople for what El Salvador is doing. And there probably hasn't been a time in any El Salvadoran's recent memory where you would have so many, you know, Westerners uh, or from the so-called developed world coming to your country and then speaking so positively about your country and being inspired by your country and going back and going on major news uh, broadcasts and trying to tell as many people as they can about the great things that your country is doing, like that means something to, to the people there. And to, you know, it's, it's not just this, you know, little, uh, you know, it's a small country, um, but they're having a huge outsized impact on the rest of the world. And I think that that is something that is so powerful. And again, as you said, with the crime rate dropping, the question we would get asked, like, you know, we went back, we went there in July, and I think, you know, everybody was asking us, uh, you know, okay, are you guys worried? Like, I hear it's really dangerous there. And we're like, not really. Like the crime rate's been going down. Then we went back, you know, again, and same, same questions from people, you know, oh, are you worried? Like, no, we felt perfectly safe the entire time we were there in July, not worried about it at all. And uh, again, it's, 
We also have to be balanced in the way we yes. look at it, though, right? Um, part of the reason we went in July was because, you know, you had the FUD on the media side, you had the hopium on the Bitcoiner side, and we were like, what's the real story? And, you know, the truth's always somewhere in the middle. Um, and one of the things we like to communicate is, you know, we like to communicate what needs improvement. Otherwise, it doesn't get fixed. If we say it's it's just like perfect Bitcoin mecca, no, you know, everyone's just gonna be like, okay, I'm just gonna keep tweeting and stacking sats. But the reality is we need people all the time to come and spend sats to say, hey, I wanna pay you in Bitcoin. Like it's gonna take demand to get more and more merchants to convert because one of the other things that comes out of there sometimes is like, okay, Bitcoin's great, but like it's mostly tourists that use it, which is fine. We're the ones who are coming and creating that demand. But, you know, creating demand, educating, visiting, going with Hope House or Me Premier Bitcoin to smaller communities to help educate small businesses and students. Like there's a lot of work Bitcoiners can do on the ground that's actually going to help move things along more than nice words. Yeah, I would echo that and agree completely because as Bitcoiners, it's very easy to think that, well, Bitcoin is inevitable, right? And adoption is inevitable. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. But when it comes to actual, you know, medium of exchange usage and adoption, the only way that happens is if people are actually using it. And there are, I mean, we were there with many Bitcoiners from all over the world when we were there uh, just for adopting Bitcoin, who are going out um, and trying to use Bitcoin everywhere they go as much as they possibly can. And then also, you know, uh, giving out Bitcoin in these communities, like that is how you actually drive that adoption at a personal level is just by putting your money where your mouth is and going down and spending some stats and to the people who will of course say, well, I'm just going to hold my Bitcoin. I'm never, I'm never spending it. It's like, well, okay, fine. But you realize you can just buy the Bitcoin back immediately after you spend it. And on, on that same phone via one of the many apps that you probably have for buying Bitcoin, and then you won't even trigger a taxable event and you're okay. So go down to El Salvador, visit, spend your sats, go all over the country. It's not a huge country. You can you can go all over it fairly easily. And, and it's quite beautiful. And I guess it also depends, you know, if you're one of the people who's like, I don't care about mass adoption. I don't care about medium of, of exchange, whatever. But part of the reason we enjoy going down there and doing it is like, when you see these kids' faces, when they get it, like when they're downloading their little Bitcoin Beach wallet, okay, haha. But then they receive the dollar. And then, you know, we would do like a little given take to send and receive. And then they see more money coming along. Like you, they, their eyes literally light up. Like it just makes you want to cry. Yeah. We, we went to one of these schools, uh, uh, Roman Martinez Chimbero, who's the community leader at Bitcoin beach, uh, brought us along when we were in July. And that was such a powerful experience. And something Carla pointed out that I hadn't even thought of in this way was that, okay, we went there and like, you know, a few of us each gave these kids like $5 worth of Bitcoin. And, you know, at the end of the day, she's like, wow, these kids in this classroom room here now have more Bitcoin than the majority of the world. Like, cause most of the world doesn't have Bitcoin yet. And like, I was just like, wow, these little kids, like this, American kids aren't doing this. Town, they don't like, have it. That's incredible. Like, and these kids are going to do amazing things. Like you could see the spark in some of their eyes where they're just, the wheels are turning and they're seeing that there's opportunity there. And that's really powerful.
Yeah, and there was something that Carla said that I really thought about too, which was the truth kind of lies somewhere in the middle. And, you know, does that, and this is for you, Carla, this question, you know, does that kind of impact? Because I remember Walker, you know, being the dutiful husband that he is, he kind of shouted you out about how you edit all the content for the videos, which is like a laborious process, of course, but does going to El Salvador, seeing the truth, seeing how Bitcoin is really empowering people in other countries. Does that really impact the way that you edit and kind of do the process of your content? So definitely. So I actually studied uh, like journalism in my undergrad and editing itself, like any sort of editing, like inherently has bias, right? Like if I'm putting this clip next to this clip with this track of music, like you can change the entire vibe just with a powerful song. So balance and objectivity is something that is very, very important to me. I strive to get it right. Um, but especially when it comes to El Salvador, which I think those are actually the most difficult videos to edit because I don't want to make it all hopium, but I also don't want to seem like a Debbie Downer. Uh, it definitely has made that process a lot harder, but it's something that deserves all the attention to make and you know what? There's always going to be haters. Like, it's funny, though. If you have haters on both sides, like some people are like, oh, this is just propaganda. And then other people are like, oh, this is doom and gloom. And I'm like, well, I guess I balanced it right then. <laughs> it's like you see, people are still going to see what they want to see. But if you have both sides of it and it's like, that's essentially what we do. It's like this is what happened when we went there. We're not saying this is what you should think. This is, you know, it's like you decide. Or that this is the case for everyone who goes there. Right. Like, and that's why we, we always say, like, just go visit it for yourself. Go check it out. Like, don't take our word for it. It's it's inexpensive, you know, uh, to get there, especially from America. Like, it's not too bad. Depending on where you live, it's not even a very far flight. And, and we didn't even see, like, the whole country. Like, we need a lot more experience I, to I create. I guess we have to go back again yeah. and, and probably again and again. <laughs> Yes, I'm, I'm looking forward to, um, you know, taking my first visit to El Salvador. I've done a lot of traveling, but I've never been to El Salvador. That's definitely on my bucket list. And um, Walker, this question is for you, because what I love about the BTC couple is that, you know, y'all don't only just make content, but you do a lot of other things in the space that people are kind of now seeing, you know, your skill sets. And one of the things that I've noticed about you, Walker, is that you have a talent for emceeing. And I recently saw that Samson Mao kind of shouted you out for your multitasking ability and just being an all around badass Bitcoiner. Right. So, like, how was it kind of emceeing that event? And Carla, you can chime in on this, too. I just wanted to be, I wanted to know, you know, your, your insight on that. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, if you told me that when we started making these ridiculous <laughs> TikTok videos sitting on our couch in the middle of nowhere, Wisconsin, that we'd be introducing you know, Milena Mayorga and yeah, Max Kaiser and Prince Philip of Serbia on in El Salvador, I would have said you're crazy. Uh, but then there we are. Uh, and first of all, it was just it was an honor for them to ask us uh, to do that. Um, we we had the pleasure of emceeing at Lugano as well um, for the Plan B Forum, which was another amazing experience just with a great team there. And again, an opportunity to meet incredible people. So in terms of uh, what I try to do when I'm emceeing is, well, what we try to do is keep it interesting. He's in a zone. Behind Backstage, uh, I'm, I am in a tweet frenzy zone because something I realized that was kind of missing from a lot of these conferences is there's so much amazing stuff that is said just kind of off the cuff by these great Bitcoiners that you have on stage who maybe didn't necessarily write something down, especially in these panels. These discussions get going yeah. and it's not like that, you know, sure, there's some prompts that they get ahead of time maybe, but that's not pre-scripted. You don't know what they're going to say. 
And oftentimes, so many of these things will get lost, like these amazing little tidbits of knowledge that they just just came up with on the spot. And let's be real, a lot of people don't watch recordings. And a lot of people do not watch the recordings. And so I thought, well, you know, what? what's something I can do here as I'm just hanging around backstage? Well, let me just pick out the best things that I hear and try to tweet as fast as my fingers will go uh, and, and get that stuff out there for people. And I'm glad that people have really liked that. And I just view it as like a, it's a small thing that I can do to help elevate voices in the Bitcoin community. And, you know, not just the, the, the big fish, but also the, you know, people who are out there doing smaller projects and, and more grassroots stuff because their voices are just as, if not more important. He also has a very nice silky voice as we've learned <laughs> after all these I'm seeing. Everyone's like, is that your real voice? <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> you have like a voice for radio or something, which is like, you know, unique. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, who knows? We might have to get into the, get into a little more podcasting. Who can say? For real, Satoshi's radio or something like that. That'd definitely be like a good fit for y'all. Um, and this is my last question. So, um, you know, there's something that I noticed about your content and kind of like everything that you do in the space, which I absolutely love. And it's kind of like this kind of quote where, you know, Satoshi lives in all of us. So like, what is the future for the BTC couple? And, you know, what do you plan to kind of bring forth to the space in the next few months? Mm, that's a tough one. I know. Usually, and I say it, well, and I say that it's a tough one because so much of how we create and what we create is based on- It's just like, like spontaneous. Something's happening right now. Uh, let's let's just make something. Like we else. don't have a roadmap. We never did. We basically, like I like to say like we stumbled into all of this because, you know, it just start with a video and then another one. And then something happens in the news. You wake up from a dream. You're asked to MC. Like we're just like literally stumbling into all this. We've like literally not had time to think of a plan for the future because we'd been on the road for so long. So far it's worked out okay in that regard. Long term, <laughs> we would like to make something bigger um, like a larger, more feature film type production, uh, somehow educational to try to reach larger audiences. Right. Um, but yeah, I think there, there's a lot of amazing longer form video content out there. Um, but there's not enough of it yet. There can always be more like we are still early and, and it doesn't also, get the same distribution. Yeah, it, it doesn't. And I think there is, we've realized now that we do have a bit of a a unique approach to things that could be well and is proving to be very helpful for a lot of people so if we can find a a media to be able to let's say expose even more people to this amazing invention of bitcoin uh in a way that is again not that they're actually going to pay attention to and that people not just bitcoiners will watch because we see this all and the not time. pushing bitcoin you either because we're not when some people ask us you know, about different styles of the videos we make or about even having the name the crypto couple still. And we say, listen, we're not trying to appeal to you Bitcoiners. You guys already get it. You're already orange pilled. You're already on that journey, you're already down the road. And it's like hole. if you call us scammers, like you look foolish. Right. <laughs> like that means you didn't do your research, right? <laughs> so for us it's like, okay, what are the what are the ways that we can that we can bring Bitcoin to the no coiners, to and the crypto people who just got burned so hard over and over again by FTX and Celsius and all of these things. How do we, how do we get this knowledge into their hands and into their heads? And for no coiners, I mean, this is why we started funny money because we didn't want to use the word Bitcoin because we've had videos where you'll have audiences be like, Oh, I love this video and agreed with everything until they said Bitcoin. 
right? But it's like, but you agreed with everything up until then. So we're like, if we have Bitcoin in the name, some people are automatically going to dismiss it. But that's why we're like, all right, corset, funny money. Like people know what money, people like fun, people like boobs. So let's try that. And you know, it's those videos where you get them in with the education and then, you know, you slowly put Bitcoin. But I think for a feature, something we'd want to reach no corners with, it would be something more shielded. It wouldn't be like the Bitcoin story, right? Right. It's like you you, you bury the lead a little bit. A lot. Uh, as much as you possibly can and say, save Bitcoin for the very end once you've already got them to agree with you that there is a problem that needs to be fixed. And they just don't know that there's a solution yet that's sitting right there in front of them and it's open for any of them to take advantage of. And I think a lot of the times when you get the comments that are like, oh, this was great until they mentioned Bitcoin, ew, it's like pride and ego a little bit. Yeah. So that's something something to figure out to overcome for help people overcome a bit. Yeah. It's like feeding people with that long spoon, that long Bitcoin spoon. And, uh, you know, they just will get their medicine at the time and at the price that they deserve. You know, that's always been my my thought process behind it. But uh, the BTC couple, this interview has been great. I really enjoyed it. I think people will learn a lot from this episode. So could you give people your social media handles in any future endeavors? I mean, you kind of spoke about it that you might want people to know about when this episode drops. Yeah. Um, so on, uh, she runs the Twitter the account. The comedy so, crypto couple so side. So that's the, the crypto couple. The Z, uh, O is a zero and the L is a one. Uh, yes, it is spelled in a scammy way on purpose. On purpose. Um, <laughs> uh, we're also the BTC couple uh, at the btc o-u-p-l-e um that one's for education the other one's for comedy and shit posting funny money is at funny money lol on twitter um if you want to see carla in a corset and me in a ridiculous gray wig uh burying the lead with bitcoin i'm walker america on twitter um you can find all of our links to youtube and everything else or if you're on tiktok it's the crypto couple the same as on twitter uh and We'll let you know about what's coming next. Uh, well, we have sure. some holiday songs coming this we month. We do have some holiday songs so, coming this month. That's the soonest, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah, get ready for a couple of those. There should be some fun ones. They're going to be a bit spicy. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. With uh, with with Bitcoin in there. But uh, let's say there's a, a slightly a commentary. different focus. Yeah. So. Keep an eye out for him. Nice. Once again, thank you for taking time to be on Bitcoin Source, the BTC couple. Have a good one. Thanks for having Thanks us. So much. Uh, 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 uh.